This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Fit Nation. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. If you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you're leading a path towards the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to speak to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or feel embarrassed to tell your inner circle or family, call the hotline at 988 and press option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, the stories of our great guests. Speaking of which, our next guest is a healer who helps leaders and entrepreneurs heal the anxiety, depression, chronic pain, and trauma they can't think or talk their way out of. He is the founder of Prisma, a framework overlaying trauma, neuroscience, and energy medicine with somatic and mindfulness-based practices. He developed this while learning, healing his own anxiety, depression, and chronic pain rooted in trauma. This includes unraveling a severe spinal curvature and standing three inches taller today. Over the last two decades, he has helped thousands heal through his one-on-one practice and has certified hundreds of healthcare professionals in his methodology. His new online course and community now make healing practice accessible to all. So now, without further ado, let's welcome Greg Whiting to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. It's great to get you on here and uh, connect. It's beautiful how we can connect nowadays. Uh, just reach out and press a button, and now all of a sudden we can see each other, and it's like we're right next door to each other now. So this is awesome. Yeah, good to be here. If you don't mind, uh, tell the Misfit Nation a little bit more about your backstory that I didn't just share in that intro. As far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I came to the world of healing um, through addressing my own trauma that was showing up as chronic pain, anxiety, and depression, and just found that a lot of traditional approaches to therapy and healing just were really ill-equipped to address PTSD and complex trauma, how they were kind of showing up in my physical body, impacting, you know, not just my mental health, but my physical health. And so that led me on a journey to kind of piece together different frameworks and tools to figure out what I needed to, to heal myself. And yeah, over the last 18 years, been sharing, you know, all the different pieces I've learned with others and kind of reverse engineered that into a system that, yeah, makes, helps, helps people make sense of their own pain so they can heal it. 
Awesome. Having an alternative to, uh, I guess, the cookie cutter approach to healing PTSD is it's way better than the, the pill approach. I, I can say that right now. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think sometimes we need to work with pain and symptom management. And so I, I get that sometimes that's where people are at and that's what they need. But I think a lot of people are taught that that's the solution. Right. And then that gets it's people kind of caught up in a cycle of being dependent upon a treatment that's not actually resolving the underlying patterns, right? It's just treating the tip of an iceberg. So healing affords us kind of the tools and the frameworks to kind of look at the underbelly of that iceberg and start to piece together and work through all the different causative factors that are at play. Um, and in that case, you know, I've helped hundreds of clients reduce or eliminate their need and dependence on antidepressants, pain meds, anti-anxiety meds, um, you know, so people can get their lives back, feel more alive, uh, have more power, feel more freedom. Definitely. And, uh, a lot of veterans now, I mean, for 20 years, basically we were at war and uh, many veterans went multiple times to war and, and experienced some kind of trauma there to cause PTSD now. And they're listening now and they're, and I'm sure they're taking notes saying, no, this would be a great way to do it. How to, have you reached out to the military branches or the Department of Defense and say, hey, this is a way to do it. I do it and it helps people. Or have you not even broached that subject yet? You know, and since I used to teach in person and I was really loved having small, intimate groups. And then, you know, during COVID, I took time to re-engineer what I was teaching into an online platform that now is you know, much more accessible. So I'm starting to kind of, you know, I, I want to get healing into prisons. I want to get healing into, you know, government organizations, into schools. And so, yeah, reaching out to um, veteran you know, organizations is definitely a part of that. Um, because the truth is, you know, trauma can feel like a death sentence. PTSD can feel like a death sentence. Um, and it doesn't have to, you know, there's, um, you know, post-traumatic growth with the right tools and the right support, we can make a lot of meaning and sense out of our pain and, and heal it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely encouraged to, to get this work in the hands of uh, a lot of vets. Awesome. That'd be a, a great help to all my brothers and sisters out there that need this, need more help than what they're getting right now. And you said the trauma can, <clears throat> doesn't have to be the, the weight on your shoulders. Is trauma a liability to people? Absolutely. I mean, if we're not resolving trauma, that's, you know, the imprints of trauma lead us to feeling isolated and alone. They keep us kind of in these cycles of feeling uh, the constant onslaught of threat, of danger, hypervigilance, you know, so that's going to keep us in, you know, this state of hyperarousal of fight, flight, and, you know, fighting for our lives. So even when we're, there's actually no presenting danger, that danger is reliving itself in our brains, you know, and that alienation, you know, if you look at, you know, addiction and cardiovascular disease, you know, they're really symptomatic of feeling isolated. And so trauma keeps us feeling isolated. Um, you know, that's going to compromise the immune system that stagnates emotion that impacts our hormones. So then all of our behaviors and beliefs get organized, like we're in combat, even when we're not. So that's going to, you know, have a, a detriment to, you know, all aspects of our health. And so, you know, what I find one of the tools I work with is energy medicine just calms the cardiovascular system, you know, helps to regulate the nervous system and shift us from, 
the you know fight flight to the parasympathetic rest and digest and that's going to then move us over to um yeah just strengthening the immune system you know giving our system the full capacity to to heal itself that's I mean, that'd be a great thing uh, i'd like to learn more about the the energy uh medicine that's that sounds pretty awesome uh, how that works and how do we take our pain and uh re-engineer turn into a purpose yeah you know i I work with a lot of leaders and entrepreneurs, and I think a lot of people are looking for purpose externally. And while it's great to have impact out in the world, um, and I think that is necessary, um, I think oftentimes we're looking to like mark a check off extrinsic uh, factors on a list where, you know, I think healing helps us locate more intrinsic motivation and what is most meaningful from the inside out. And, um, you know, when we're in the trenches of trauma, it's hard to make sense of our pain um, because we're just in a state of overwhelm. And, you know, I think healing helps us get out of the pit and look at a horizon of possibility and, you know, derive more, more significance. You know, I think when we've healed our pain, it helps us derive more empathy and understanding for the, the human experience. And I think that um, can become a, a great driving a great driving point for, you know, how we, how we live in the world and who we are. You know, I, I think purpose is more, more who we are than it is what we do and it's how we do it. And so, and that comes from a place of presence and, you know, a lot of the mindfulness I work with is just helping people locate more presence where, you know, a trauma response is usually keeping us kind of stuck in cycles of the past or anticipating, you know, the future um and so locating more presence um it's very much coming back into the heart um and so that's yeah a big piece of how we can you know refine our, our sense of purpose and place in the world definitely and i know a lot of guys and gals in the veteran sphere or first response sphere especially you know, when they stop doing where they stop wearing their boots where they stop wearing that uniform and they're always told oh you need to find that sense of purpose again that's like the the store the the checkbox that you need to find a sense of purpose again that's why you're so bored that's why you're sheltered in your home i think the way you just put it makes it a lot uh, easier for them to understand that they can find it from within as well not just the out outwardly going out and helping people outside yeah you know i think especially when we've got a lot of pain and ptsd and trauma running us you know I look at healing as kind of twofold. We have kind of, we're motivated to get out of that pain, um, which is valuable, but it's like, once we're out of pain, where are we inspired to go? But sometimes we need to do some of the deep healing work to resolve pain, to even have the clarity and understanding of what's next, right? So when I start my work with clients and students, you know, I want to know what are their goals? What is their vision? And Sometimes we're just so in the trenches of trauma that we can't see the horizon and we don't know what that is. So it's also makes sense to me when purpose doesn't, doesn't seem clear, um, you know, but I think the process of healing helps to reveal it, you know, from, uh, from just a deep inquiry of self. Definitely. That's a, that's a very good point right there. And a lot of times with depression or anxiety, uh, either social workers or psychiatrists will say you have a chemical imbalance. What are your thoughts on the chemical imbalance theory? Yeah, I, you know, we haven't proven that chemical imbalance actually causes 
depression, anxiety, or mental illness. And yet we are treating mental illness as if that is the cause. So I think that gets people caught up in a cycle of, you know, pain and symptom management, and it gets in the way of people looking under the hood to investigate that there is probably early atta childhood attachment wounding and or trauma that is actually, you know, pretty, um, pretty big glaring causes uh, or contributing factors to anxiety and depression. Um, and so if we're not given the opportunity to look under the hood to address, you know, some of these big contributing factors, and we then just grow a dependence on treating, you know, one factor that has not been proven to be the cause, um, it kind of keeps us like chasing our own tail, you know, it, it, it's, it's not actually helping us scratch the itch or actually heal um, on a, a root cause level. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's any one root cause. I think there's causative factors that are at play. Um, but who's to say that if you address trauma and pain and wounding, that chemical imbalance will likely clear up, right? And so, um, but yeah, uh, most of us in our culture, we, we, we're not looking at it in that way. You know, we, we, we kind of are thinking that symptom and pain management is healthcare, but that's sick care, right? And healthcare is is actually addressing causative factors. And it's the same thing that they do. Like if you go to uh, urgent care or something, they'll treat a symptom, not the whole problem. So you just keep wanting to have to go back and forth, back and forth there till you finally get, until one day you meet a doctor that actually says stop. And like you said, check under the hood. I like how you, how you put that under the hood. So gives it in the terms people understand that if you're checking under the hood, you're looking for all the, all the big parts working, what's not working and try to get things fixed. And I think that's very important, especially in the mental health. Uh, arena yeah absolutely yeah. you know well i think of you know if you think of the body as like a symphony orchestra just to use like another metaphor um you know every emotion every muscle every tissue every organ uh every cell every, you know they're, they're all parts of the symphony and when the symphony is making music all of these different parts are in communication with one another and that's when we're making a lot of music, you know, but because of stress, because of trauma, because of injury, because of hereditary factors, environmental factors, you know, the nervous system gets short circuited. And all of a sudden we, that communication starts to break down. So instead of making music, we start to make a lot of noise and our symptoms are just, you know, expressions of that noise. And, you know, so our symptoms are like, Hey, how do we pay attention to the body? to fine tune it so we can get it back to making music. But instead we often are taking the drug or the pill to suppress the symptom. And so that we're just not feeling the symptom, but the systems, but the, the symphony is still just making noise, right? It didn't bring, it didn't bring the system back into a, a harmonic resonance. So, you know, it didn't bring us back to making music. Um, and so, you know, working with energy medicine, working with mindfulness, you know, working with trauma neuroscience helps to break up the noise. It helps to restore that communication. Uh, and that's where health can rebound according to the body's own wisdom. That's, a, that's awesome. Now I got two metaphors under the hood and sympathy orchestra <laughs> going in my head here. I'd said earlier, I'd like to learn more about energy medicine. Can you explain what energy medicine is and how that kind of works? Yeah. You know, Energy medicine is addressing the relationship between the cells and the parts and the organs, right? And so 
I'm going to, another term that was derived in chiropractic is innate wisdom. And so our innate wisdom is the intelligence that heals a paper cut. So, you know, you and I can be having this conversation or sleeping or eating or doing whatever we're doing, but our innate wisdom is healing that paper cut without us having to think about it. So it's sending platelets and proteins and orchestrating all these biochemical transmissions. So energy medicine is just helping us get back in touch with that innate wisdom. Um, you know, because of stress, because of trauma, we just get short-circuited from that wisdom. And then it's like, we're just a chicken running around with our head cut off. And so energy medicine just gets us put back in touch with that innate wisdom. So we're just more in tune with our own needs. We're more in touch with our body. You know, energy medicine helps calm the cardiovascular system. It helps activate the immune system. It helps to shift us to the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. So, you know, those three pieces there alone are just lending themselves to the body coming back to its, you know, natural capacity to heal. Um, and so the more aligned we are with our innate wisdom, you know, the more robust our capacity is to respond to kind of the challenges of life and to develop more resilience and have more fortitude to kind of bounce back when life throws us curveballs. That's outstanding. That, I understood that. So that, that must be easy, very easy way to explain that. So it's good. Understood everything you just said. It was good. <laughs> good. I had a guest on, uh, I think last week, uh, he's a, a, another veteran and he runs an organization that helps other veterans try to get, uh, learn how to come home. They, I mean, we train everyone to go to war, but we don't train them how to return home and uh, get rid of, try to walk through and talk through all the problems. And we talked about being a stigma of getting mental health uh, care and especially for senior leaders in the military and first responders as well. If you get mental health care, then you're kind of, in the old days, you used to get a black mark on you. Say, oh, oh, that person has some problems. We can't have them leading troops. So a lot of senior people would not get help. And they'd go through their whole career, multiple deployments and multiple different uh, platoons they were in and come home and after they're done, hang up their boots. And all of a sudden now it's just them. And all that time, they never got care. That stigma was there. Is the same stigma prevalent on the outside and the civilian world as well, or or are, we, or are we starting to fight that stigma now? You know, I, I'd say I'd say we're fighting that stigma now, but I'd, I'd, I'd say it's still pretty strong and, you know, dominant. Um, you know, for me, I, I think a lot of that, I think culturally we look at when someone has anxiety or depression, they have an individual problem. Like that's theirs to sort out on their own. Um, and I look at it as more of like a community cultural problem. And what if, you know, an individual's anxiety or depression is maybe a healthy response to an unhealthy world, right? So if we're in a, a hostile environment, a violent world, you know, it might make sense to have some anxiety or depression, right? So I think we're facing in this world, you know, increasingly adverse challenges and experiences. Um, I think it would be hard for anyone to just brush those experiences off. And so I think it's important to normalize that, you know, just like we would a car, but go back to that, <laughs> that metaphor, you know, when the check engine light goes on, you know, if you know how to look under your own hood, you're going to pull over and do that right away, or you're going to bring it into a mechanic to take a look at, you know, without questioning it. Like, obviously you're going to, you know, make sure all the working parts are working together and yeah, so I think there's a lot more awareness that around gut brain health, around how 
you know, the mindfulness work I do, it's like the subconscious mind, our beliefs and behaviors live in the body. Excuse me, they take up resonance in the body. And that's what's creating the stagnation. That's what's, you know, creating the inflammation. So that's creating our autoimmune illness. That's creating all of our digestive issues. You know, the body speaks in metaphor. So if we have a traumatic experience <clears throat> that we've had a hard time shaking off, like we literally digest not just our food, but life experience. So if I had a really traumatic event that happened um, and I wasn't able to digest it, well, that's going to do a number on my digestive system. And then before you know it, I'm going to have all sorts of gut health issues, right? And then that's going to lead to autoimmune issues. Um, and so, you know, if I am oriented to the world, that the world's not a safe place, then I'm going to start to experience anxiety, you know? Or if I don't have the right tools to feel my emotions, I'm going to suppress them. And de depression is just the big suppression of energy and emotion. So I think it's important to humanize that, that what if having these, these challenges is just part of a natural human response to, you know, an increasingly difficult world um, and then find peer level support, right? I mean, sure, you can go to a healer or a therapist to get one-on-one -on -one care, and sometimes that's necessary and helpful. Um, but it's also okay to have support in a, in, a, in a larger context to know that you're not alone. Definitely. That's, that's outstanding right there. Now, we spoke earlier, I spoke earlier about you being the founder of Prisma. What exactly is Prisma, and how did you come about uh, founding it? Yeah. So... Yeah, over the years of me looking for what tools and frameworks would help support me, um, I kind of pieced together all these different aspects. You know, and it started with uh, just meeting a friend who was a massage therapist. And at the time, she offered me a massage, but I was living with so much chronic pain that I didn't want a massage. Like physical touch was painful. So that was off the table. So she said, well, what about energy medicine? Which, you know, this was 25 plus years ago, I had never heard of energy medicine. That was like, you know, completely foreign to me. Um, but I had implicit trust in her. And I said, sure, you know, like, let's give it a try. Um, and within moments, you know, my whole body just started to relax, like tension that was all I knew just started to soften. And I was able to just like, take a deep breath and so I literally felt a physical and physiological shift, like within moments. And so I was like, all right, I'm onto something here. Um, you know, I realized I found something I didn't even know I was looking for. Um, within a year, I started to study energy medicine um, over a four-year period. And then that teacher that I was studying with introduced me to meditation and mindfulness. So deep into meditation and mindfulness that led me to the world of like yoga and then I was teaching all those elements combined about nine years ago. And one of my students was a therapist who just pulled me aside. And she said, you know, you're, you're teaching a trauma-informed lens to healing. Um, and at that point, I didn't even know what trauma-informed meant. Like I knew I was healing my own trauma, but I was just kind of piecing together these practices kind of intuitively to do so. And so she invited me, she was a professor at the California Institute of Integral Studies, and she invited me to um, become her teacher's assistant. She was teaching a trauma course for the psychotherapy department. So that's when I started to kind of develop my trauma and neuroscience lens. Um, and so for the last nine years, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been integrating all those pieces. So 
basically Prisma is a trauma and neuroscience roadmap. I feel like a lot of people are kind of on a path of healing, whether they're trying this or that, speaking to a therapist or a coach or a counselor. Um, but the map kind of gives you, it helps you take off the blindfold. So you know exactly where you are and where you're headed because you could be getting support, but not really know where you're headed. And then I fuse somatic and mindfulness-based practices, which I look at as like the GPS. Um, but it's like the mind training, you know, because the mind is always going to default to pain and the mind is always going to default to danger. And so the mindfulness is reorienting the pain to possibility, right? Um, to, to healing, to uh, the horizon instead of the pit. Um, and then the energy medicine is really the vehicle that's helping us heal, you know, what we can't think or talk our way out of. And that's the subconscious mind that gets imprinted in the body. So fusing those pieces together has given my students just a really comprehensive framework to, to heal. That's outstanding. I was expecting it to be an acronym as well, but you laid it out a lot better than an acronym. So that's, that's a, a great way to put it. That's uh, an awesome uh, thing that you've uh, founded there. And I, I hope it, it continues to help thousands more as you uh, move forward with this. Thank you. Yeah, I, hope, I appreciate that. So we spoke about trauma and we've spoken about pain. And I, I threw in a lot of military stuff and we'll bring into leadership. How does trauma drive our leadership and what does it cost us? Yeah. I mean, I find a lot of the leaders and entrepreneurs and founders that find their way to me um, are kind of reaching a breaking point where that that fight response, um, which is a trauma response, has has built a lot of their success, um, but that hustle isn't sustainable, right? So they're kind of reaching a breaking point where the overwhelm and the emptiness of burnout is just, you know, it was the drive that built their success, but it's just as soon going to take them out if they don't find a, a new way forward. So yeah, I, I, my work really helps people kind of understand how the nervous system is driving them for better or for worse and come up with a new baseline, you know, <clears throat> helping learn, teach the, the nervous system how to land. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, we're not being driven from a survival place, right? So we have more access to like our upper brain of logic and reason. Um, but, you know, the world is such that we're all going to get triggered and we're all going to default to some of those survival strategies. So bringing more awareness and the mindfulness helps to bring a pause so we can have a, a different choice, a different response. Um, and so, yeah, I think the cost is pretty great if we, if we don't, um, yeah, reverse engineer that nervous system drive, um, and, and find a, a new baseline for how we show up as leaders. Um, you know, a lot of people come to me thinking I'm going to be teaching leadership skills or leadership strategies. And my work really is just clearing up the, the, the trauma and the distortions that just get in the way of people's authentic leadership, right? And just people's ability to show up as themselves. You know, I think trauma will have a lot of, will have us either hiding parts of ourselves or performing parts of ourselves, which kind of goes back to the stigma around mental health. You know, we need to like, just put our best fit, our best face forward. Um, and so it's just helping people lead with more of their humanity and just with more of their, their presence. And, um, and I, I think that's really valuable in helping people just feel more powerful, more free, more alive. Awesome. And in the beginning of the show, during my introduction, I spoke about uh, how you had to go through your own uh, roller coaster of uh, healing yourself. 
you also wound up straightening uh, three inches of your spine. How did you go about getting those three inches back and straightening it out? <laughs> yeah, uh, it it wasn't uh it wasn't in one moment. It you know <laughs> gradual process over many years, but literally through all of the tools that I've been you know that I share in Prisma. Um, you know, so I was working with a healer who was working with energy medicine. She was also a therapist and, you know, back to that symphony orchestra piece, you know, her work was to kind of break up the, the noise and the distortions between my nervous system, some hormones, some emotions, and some beliefs, you know, our connective tissue and fascia is what holds our bones and our muscles together. You know, we often think our skeleton is what holds us upright, but it's more the connective tissue, which holds the skeleton upright. But the connective tissue is also where we store our emotions, our memories, our beliefs, our traumas. So our traumas almost start to become a costuming that we wear, right? And so if our whole identity is then organized around that costuming, then our posture starts to reflect that. So, you know, when I was carrying a lot of the wounding of past trauma, you know, that was this guarding and this hunched over, like protecting the heart, this energy of being depressed, as opposed to just really light and open. So, you know, with energy medicine, as we start to break up that noise, it helps the symphony orchestra kind of come back online to create music. And then those distortions of pain and hurt and emotion that, you know, had been stagnant, start to move through and, you know, the body begins to process them. So, um, so just over many years, but there was like one session where there was a significant unraveling, probably about a half an inch. And then, you know, over years that just continued to unravel. It's outstanding. And, and that shows that the process works. And thanks for sharing all this with us. How does someone get in contact with you, Greg, if they want to either join your uh, online course or just get some advice from you? Yeah. Yeah, prismamethod.com is where folks can learn about the course, enroll in the course. Uh, gregwhiting.com is where you can, there's information about the course there, but also just more information about me, my one-on-one -on -one work, my education, my training, um, yeah, where I speak. Um, so yeah, gregwhiting.com, prismamethod.com. Awesome. And on both those will be in the show notes, everyone. So make sure you check them out. Greg, thanks again for taking some of your time to share all your knowledge and uh, your journey with us at the Misfit Nation. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Misfit Nation. Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.